What do you do when a serial killer has a crush on you? Well, if you're a tough-nosed reporter on the police beat, you face your fears head-on and write one of the best inside looks at being a television news reporter in the last decade. Emmy-winning reporter and novelist Paula Tutman joins me, giving us an inside look at news reporting for our NBC affiliate as a crime reporter and now the morning correspondent for WDIV Local 4 News. And, of course, her new novel, Deadline book to a serial novel. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You read the books. Uh, well, they were wonderful, let me tell you. Now, we've all seen you for years here on NBC's affiliate in Detroit as that uh, top uh, correspondent and crime reporter, but it's really the streets of Louisville, Kentucky, and Baltimore, not Detroit, where you got exposed to that, that daily dose of death that you describe so vividly in those books. What was it like as a young reporter uh, covering issues like this in Louisville and Baltimore? Well, the important thing that you have to know is that there's a distinction between a general assignment reporter and a police reporter. Tell us the difference. A police reporter is basically someone who is not sent out of the building unless someone is dead, dying, burning, or decomposing. <laughs> and that sounds very, very gruesome. But that really is what it was like. When that's, that's what I did. That was my daily job. I led the broadcast almost every night. Um, There's actually a time I couldn't remember not seeing a dead body. Can you imagine what that's like? That must have been awful. I, you know what, but, but I love people, and I care about people, and I was interested in telling their stories. And so even though it was grisly, gruesome work, it, it was work that I thought I was the best one to do at that time because I knew that I didn't believe in re-victimizing victims. I knew that I could tell those stories. I knew that I could get those stories. And I knew, I knew that I could do that without hurting others uh, repeatedly while still getting that lead story on the air every evening. So it's a very delicate balancing act. It's a tender walk. Um, I loved it when I did it. And when I stopped, I loved it even more. I'm curious, when, when you say that, when you don't recall not seeing a dead body, is it, is it a situation where it hardened you or even made you numb about those tragic cases? Absolutely. And, and if it doesn't, then you... I think you lose your humanity. I remember talking to my dad, and what you it's very interesting. I was brought up not being allowed to watch television. I have a twin sister and older brother, and we were not allowed to watch television. Um, and so I had a different view of what it's like to be on television and what that takes. And my father used to always talk about, he always talked about the darned media. That's not what he said, but I know, you know, <laughs> this radio show. Um and I remember once I said, Daddy, do you think I've been in the media too long? And he said, way too long. Uh, the thing about it is when you are a police reporter, it does kind of dumb down and numb up your humanity. And, and I always thought that it was gone forever. Um, I, th I talk about this in the book. When people read this book, they say it changes the way they watch the news because I really do tell these very honest poignant stories about what it takes to get the news on the air. Um, so when I did it, yeah, you know what, I think I was desensitized 
you know, you walk up on a, a crime scene, and yeah, you know what they actually do? Line the street with a chalk drawing, and I, you know, I walk up and comment on the chalk drawing. You know, I was wondering no, why actually, just, I was wondering why that wasn't the cover of your book, but I love the cover <laughs> of your book with the with the flashlight showing at you. But I know that in the novel, the deadline, it's, I, and I want to talk about the fears, and you talk about obviously how you get hardened as that kind of reporter, but in it, it's based on your experience as basically being stalked by a killer, and the main character, and I love this with P.S. Garrett as the main character, struggles with her own fears, and I'm wondering if any memory that you had, that you had to relive um, when you're writing the book, that you'd even consider not writing the book, it was, it was, it was too difficult to remember those. That is such a great question. The book is loosely based on a killer I covered when I was a police reporter in Baltimore. I actually covered the trial. He killed two kids, and I'm not kidding you. I stood on that asphalt, and I realized that I had encountered a different brand of evil. This wasn't the usual murder that I covered, and I didn't know why then. I, I do want to be clear. I have no reason to believe this man killed to get next to me. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole premise of the book is, you know, the reporter shows up on the scene of a double murder, doesn't realize the killer is still there, but he sees her and goes, oh, my gosh. You know, I watch her on TV all the time. I just love her. And he makes a decision right there that if he keeps killing, she's going to keep showing up to cover the murders, and he'll get a chance to meet her and make her his own. I don't believe that that's what happened. The very first time I believe I saw this guy was at his arraignment, and our eyes locked. And he turned around, and he spoke to me. Um, what did he when say? I start, he, he turned around, and he said, Hi, Paula. And then he mouthed something, and I, it looked like he said, I love you. And I was shocked. Um, I covered his trial on a change of venue in Cumberland, Maryland, um, and this guy actually got away from the deputies and was able to confront me. He stood right in front of me in that courthouse, uh, in that courtroom, and put up his hand, and I shielded my eyes because I thought he was going to stab me. But he was holding out letters, and there were love letters that he'd been writing. And um, to get back to your question, I, when I was writing the book, it actually took me three years to complete it because I couldn't finish the last two chapters because I knew what happened. When, when you say that, when you took, uh, you stopped the book, what, what actually stopped you? What, what part did you stop in? I, cu- I, couldn't, I couldn't finish the last two chapters because I was terrified to take myself there. I, I write with a process that I call hearing the voice, not voices, because that's something else that needs to be dealt with, with probably medication. <laughs> but but I, I hear a voice. The way I hear the book is exactly the way it goes down on paper. The dialogue, the, the way you see things, it's exactly the way I hear it. And I generally write the first and the last chapter first with every book. And I'd written the prologue, and then I'd written the epilogue. But I hadn't written those last two chapters, and I couldn't, and so I abandoned the book, and I wrote several other books, and then I missed those characters, and I felt like this book really had something to say about the media and our responsibility for the things we cover. Um, I actually had to look through (laughs) through three different computers to find that manuscript to finish it, and I got to tell you, it was two of the most agonizing weeks to finish the last chapters of this book because it's not necessarily what happened to me with this particular killer. It's everything that I was afraid would happen to me when I was in that little one jailhouse town and I was afraid he was going to get out of jail and find me and there were only two hotels and I was the only black 
in that town other than my photographer during that trial. And I wasn't going to be hard to find. And I never went out with the other reporters because I was too terrified to. And everything I was afraid to was packed into those two chapters. So when you say, yeah, <laughs> you know, was it difficult to finish this book? Yeah, it was difficult, but, but well, I we, did. Well, I feel this book is really good. It's the real deal, as you say, and it makes you believe you're really there, like you talked about, in the back rooms of the of a news story, and you can really taste being a reporter, and that's why, I, in my mind, it, it really was deserving of the Best Fiction Award at the Hollywood Book Festival in 2009. We're talking with uh, Paula Tutman, and uh, obviously she not only is the new novelist, but she's the correspondent for um, WDIV uh, News Morning. One of the uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, because I was always curious about this, tell us about being a correspondent here in Detroit. But you you say that you love the news and you hate the news. What do you mean by that? <laughs> Boy, have you done your homework. I, I, I do. I love my job and my work for the same reasons I hate it. It's very, very dichotomous because I, I'm nosy. I'm naturally nosy. And basically, I'm being paid to be nosy. You know what I mean? I'm being paid to pry and get into people's business. And I, I enjoy that. But you and you and my time, mother-in-law. <laughs> um, but, you know, but I also, you know, I hate what it takes sometimes to get the story on the air. Um, you know, it does seem like we feed on other people's misery. And that's, that's not exactly what we do. That is how it looks. Um, it's dangerous work. You know, there are times we roll up on a scene, and we may be the first to know, but at the same time you have angry people there who are saying, get out of the truck or we're going to hurt you. Or you know that there's been a shooting there, and people are, they don't want to see you coming. And you have to make a decision you know, are you going to try to talk these people down? Because you're yelling at you at the same time. Get that story. Get that mask up in the air. We've got to get the story on the air. But you're dealing with the real human element of people who don't want you there. And so you have to make a decision. Am I going to stay here? Am I going to tell the producer we can't stay here? Am I going to try to be kind to these people and say, hey, man, you know what? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss, but we have to be here. I have a job to do. Please just let me get my video and let me go. Or are you going to try to fight them on it? It's those kinds of things that are it's very, very stressful. It's very, very competitive. You know, you, you're you at a scene and the other stations aren't there and you're excited because this is a scoop. And then 10 minutes later, the other stations still aren't there. And then you're thinking, but where are they? What are they doing that I'm not getting? You know what I'm saying? Right, right. It's, it's very perverted in a lot of ways. But in a lot of ways, it's very exciting and it's very fulfilling. And sometimes we do make a real difference in people's lives. I'll, I'll give you one more quick example. You know, this police officer who was just shot to death, and I worked the last couple of weekends at the station. I generally don't work weekends, um, but I felt compelled. I had been telling the story of this police officer and mostly the officers who were charged with honoring him, putting the funeral together. And I really wanted to cover that funeral, and I actually volunteered to cover that funeral because I thought, that I could do a good job. I felt like I could do a good job for the family. I felt like I could tell a human story. You know, sometimes you just want the honor of telling a very important story in a poignant way. Well, I, it, it's a special responsibility, obviously, as you have as a reporter. And, I, you know, as a criminal lawyer here for over, over 20 years, I see victims of cases. And like you talked about, 
on a daily basis, and I'm always, and I'm struck on how news correspondents, uh, in many times are so interested, like you had talked about, in the defendant and not necessarily in the victim. And I'm curious if you think that perpetuates the victimization of the victims too, like you're talking about at the funeral, covering a different side of it. Well, I think it depends on what kind of reporter you are. Um, you know, I've worked with reporters who they only care about the story. Uh, I believe that people's lives are more important than my story. I honestly believe that in my heart. I answer to a higher authority than a news director. I answer to my mother. You know? <laughs> and so I conduct myself in a certain way. And, and every once in a while, that means I am beaten on a story. But that's rare because I think people can sense when they can trust someone. I never deliberately hurt people. There are times as a journalist, I feel it's my responsibility to protect them because they know not what they say. And you almost have to say, you know what, if you're not a politician, if you're not a convicted felon, then I'm not gunning for you. You know what I mean? And so sometimes people say stupid things because they just want to be on television. And sometimes you have to say, you know what, I'm not put on the air that you live alone (laughs) and you leave your door unlocked. You know what I mean? Sometimes you have to, sometimes I'm like you, I'm in awe. Uh, I I love going to court. First of all, I get a lot of material for my books uh, in court. But the people who come through there and their stories. Uh, I was in court a couple of weeks ago, and this guy, who he did not have an attorney, and I'm not sure why, because he was up on some pretty serious charges. And the judge was giving him probation. And he was saying, Judge, oh, no, please, don't give me probation. I have two kids at home. I have to feed them. I can't afford to do probation. <laughs> this guy doesn't even know what probation means. It's ridiculous. He's really asking for jail time. He doesn't realize it. He didn't, he didn't even realize it. But that's the kind of fascinating stuff that I see that, you know, it, it's stranger than fiction. But my gosh, it sure makes good fiction when I sit down to write it. Well, that is true. And I, you know, and being a correspondent, you really, you just, and you talk about it, having to need, a need to come up with interesting stories. But it's, as you describe it, the monster is the newscast. It's starving. It's a beast. And I'm curious on that situation where do other correspondents, they just have to chase stories down. And there, quite frankly, you can go into any court and find human interest story. You can find Every every aspect of our life sitting in court every single day. That's true, but you also have to remember that we are television news. That's what I work for, and we are a different animal than print. Now, the two, because of the Internet, are converging a lot more. For instance, we now see print reporters, and they not only have a camera, but they have a video camera because they have a video version of their story on their website. And so the two have become a lot closer and a lot more competitive. I want to thank you, Paula Tupman, for joining us today. Her new novel, Deadline Second Block, the second book of a serial novel, is in stores now. You can get it on uh, Amazon.com. And I now I understand, actually, it's going to be in the Kroger chain, which actually people don't realize that is a tremendous accomplishment to get into that. Go to your local booksellers and go there to the, the Kroger chain. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your, your thoughts today. And, uh, and we'll hopefully have you on again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. We uh, we always have that great opportunity to talk with some of the prominent people around town, but it's always good to talk to people that not only make our news, but give us the news, too. So I really enjoy talking to people like Paula Tutman 
And I read that book. I think it was really great. I encourage everybody to go read Deadline, The Second Block. The nicest thing about these kind of books is they're really based on real-world experience. You know, you can go and you can have a situation where you have fiction writers that are writing about their experience, but you never really know if it's about what exactly happened with them or if it's just all literary license. Here we get a situation where she really was stalked by the serial killer, and she wrote about it in such a genuine way. So I, I'd encourage everybody to read about it. And it really goes back to the phrase, uh, true life is stranger than fiction. And so much of what we do, we want to be able to know is is uh, interesting if we're going to be reading about it in a book. But I'd tell you something, this really gives a true sense of what it was like and the fears that you had when you were uh, being stalked. 